Welcome home. You're listening to 180 Church Podcast. Hey, everybody. This is the 180 Church Podcast. I'm Joe Lou, and I'm here with the podcast crew today. We have Pastor Lydia. Hi, guys. We have Kago. Hello. Michelle's in the building. Hi. Stu's here. Hello. Henry somewhere. And uh, we're also joined by Wendy Lee today. Say hello, Hi. Wendy. Hi. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and today, uh, we're talking about a really, really, I, th- I think, critical sermon today that Dr. Sammy preached on Sunday. And it's a lot, it has a lot to do with this question of calling and purpose. That I think a lot of us find ourselves mixed in and mixed up in. We, we don't really know why we're here, what we're meant to do, or for what purpose, really. And so a lot of us are so enraptured by this idea that we're called to do something. But what is calling, really? Um, and so today we look to the Bible, we look to the lives and the lives of the followers of Christ to see what calling really is about. And so we can explore what mission and what great commission Jesus has really called us to for those around us and for those that he's called us to. And so listen in. I think this was a really awesome sermon and a very insightful discussion. And so here's Dr. Sammy. Today's sermon is given by Dr. Sammy D. Kim, a co-founder of 180 Church NYC, a bioethics fellow in global health and social medicine at Harvard Medical School, and a regular contributor at Christianity Today. Today's scripture is from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. That is the word of the Lord. Amen. So in the honor of Father's Day, let me tell you a story about what it means to be like a father. Father means you're overlooked all the time. Mother's Day is the number one holiday. Father's Day is like the leftovers, the day after Christmas. But fathers, we we put our head in the pillow of responsibility, and we do the things we're meant to do for the house, you know. And uh, let's put this picture up here. And sometimes I volunteer to go shopping last minute because we ran out of things. And, you know... um, my wife goes, well, here's, let's make a list. I go, I go, babe, we don't need a list. Do you know how good this memory is? 
It's a little bit older now, but I, I almost have photographic memory, okay? She goes, but you're not reading anything. Anyway, I'm, you know, I'm good. You know, just let me know what you want, and this man will bring it to you. And okay, anyone, and right before I leave the door and get in the car with my keys, you know, I, I say to the family, anybody want anything? Josh, yes, I need Fruity Pebbles. Nathan's like, Dad, we need Jello, orange juice, um, some candy. And then Josh's like, oh, yeah, ice cream. Oh, I got all of that. That's the reason why I was going. And, and uh, my wife goes, but, Sam, this is critical. Don't forget the eggs. That's everyday food we need. Don't forget milk. I'm like, please. I got all that. So, I, you know, I have a mental list. Anybody make mental lists in their life? And then I go to the store, and I end up buying a lot of things. And my wife is surprised. Every time I go shopping on my own, I bring, like, six bags back. Because, you know, like, supermarkets have those, like, cereal deals, four for, you know, four for, like, uh, two deal. <laughs> and, and orange juice is, like, four for two deal. I'm buying all these four items for a price of two. I love a good deal, man. I just, it's probably the Asian in me. But, you know, I, I, just, I just like saving money. And then I take my coupons out. Hold on, I got a coupon for that. You know, and, and, um, and I come home. My wife looks through the bag. Where are the eggs? <laughs> well, why'd you buy s'mores? Why are there marshmallows and chocolate here? But what are we going to eat in the morning? S'mores, I guess. Where's the milk? Oh, where's the butter? Where's the garlic? And what does my wife say? This is why I tell you to what? Make a list. Oh, this happened a thousand times by now. There's, there's always a pseudo-narrative that we have, and there is a grand narrative. And a lot of times, how we live our lives is we have a pseudo-narrative, a subplot. And a lot of times, we keep asking the question, what's my ultimate purpose? Why am I here on Earth? And there's a nagging, subconscious anxiety about what am I meant to do, but then we sort of have an idea. We viscerally and existentially try to live that out, but we keep forgetting to crystallize and articulate what my ultimate goal is, and we never seem to write it down. We have lists for many things mentally. But when it comes to the most important things, the, the, the greatest needs of our lives, the pseudo-narrative takes over. And we end up living on wants and never getting to what really is necessary. When we look at this passage, the beginning of the Ecclesia, in many ways, historians look at the Ecclesia, which is a Greek work for the church, particularly in the first three centuries historically, and then the latter 16th century, the Reformation, as the pivotal moments in history that changes globalization, that changes technology and science, in everything we know today is, res is responsible for those two periods of time, the first three century and then the 16th, 17th century of the Reformation, the beginning of the church and the, re the Reformation of the church. And why is that? Well, because at those moments, the grand narrative, the biblical grand narrative, the purpose that all of us are looking for, that transcendent purpose was clarified. And between those centuries, then we lost it again. 
And now we're in the 21st century. We lost it again. Now all these pseudo-narratives, these competing commitments, are what? Running our lives. And that's why depression is at an all-time high. That's why mental illness is at an all-time high. That's why emptiness is at an all-time high. And even though history shows us, like Solomon says, there's nothing new under the sun, fame is destroying people. Fame has almost destroyed our country, almost destroyed democracy. The most famous person became president and is challenging the very institutional structure of democracy. The branches are being tested, and it's standing for now. But fame and the idea of celebrity... Name five famous people in your mind right now. Who are the most five famous people you can think of in your life? None of you care. Okay, you're, you're all holy. You don't care about famous people. You don't look at Instagram. You look at famous people and you look at their life, almost all end up in rehab. Almost all end up ruining their life. And most of them hate fame. Some of you in this room, that's your subplot, right? You want fame or you want success, or you want wealth. To validate the question, who am I and what's my purpose? And ultimately, and I want to say this clearly, the purpose of this generation is, I want to be cool. Tell someone next to you, I want to be cool. And people are like, oh no, I don't want to be cool. Yeah, you do. Think about the amount of time you spend in the mirror. My kids, my God. Selfies and mirrors. We don't have, we're running out of gel. <laughs> if you come to this passage, it's, it's encouraging. First, it's encouraging because Jesus has been, been speaking to the disciples for three and a half years about what the plan is, why he came, what his cause was. He actually clarified it to Pilate on the day of the Passion when he was to be crucified. For this cause I came. For this cause. He, he's been expounding that cause to his disciples for three and a half years about redeeming all things through him and with his father. Yet, the disciples asked this dumb question in the beginning of church history. And so tell everybody, relax. You're okay. You're okay. If you're lost about your purpose, you're confused with your subplots, you, your main meta-narrative is to be cool, you're... you're exactly where you're meant to be. After four years, you still are this deep and really superficial. Well, you're right here. They gathered around him and asked. So Jesus just died on the cross. As the Lamb of God who took the sin of the world, the weight of sin on him, and then he came back from the dead for 40 days, the Bible says in Luke that he was expounding on them what the kingdom of God is. Remember those parables? The kingdom is like, the kingdom is like. Why do you think he told so many stories? Because the disciples were so dense. They really couldn't get it. Like many of us, what is the kingdom? Well, the kingdom is my life being awesome. Yeah, that's what I heard. Just like when my wife goes, Did we need eggs. I go, what I hear is Charlie, you know, Charlie Brown, parents talking to guang, 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 guang. I need ice cream, chocolate. I need pudding. Rice pudding, right? That's what we hear. And a lot of times in the church, that, whether you're a seeker or believer, that's what you hear when I preach. Yeah, God wants me to be awesome. God wants me to be awesome. Unless you hear that, you're just tuning it out. I'm not really interested. 
And the history of the church begins like that. Jesus has been preaching. I mean, and, and some people say, well, if you're a better preacher, you have better programs. If you had cooler, you know, stages, then you would be, you would be on a mission. No, Jesus has been doing it. He's been preaching. He resurrected from the dead, healed, and they still don't get it. And they go, so they, they gathered around him. And this is including all the super apostles, John, Peter. Yeah, we've been wondering about this, Jesus. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And for those of you who don't understand the context of that is that, you know, the Jews are in captivity, and even though they're a state within Rome that's recognized and they, can exp- uh, they have freedom of religion, they can worship their own God, but they're still under captivity. They're still under Roman rule. Before that, the Assyrians. Before that, you know, Babylonia. Before that, Egypt. So what, what are they saying? Basically, in millennial language, this is what the disciples are asking Jesus. Jesus, when did we get to be cool again? You know how the campus, you know, make America great again? That was exactly the campus slogan here. When is Israel going to become great again? Are you going to make us cool again? When people used to come to us, when Solomon and David, everybody was afraid of us, when people heard about the, the wind, the cloud by day and the fire by night, and all the countries were afraid of us because we were so awesome, we're so cool. When is this going to happen? Pettiness. The pseudo-narrative, the meta-narrative, is so deeply ingrained in the disciples. They don't get it. Tell someone, you don't get it. You, you, don't, you don't really get it. You don't, you don't get it. All the gospel talk for three and a half years, wah, 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 wah. I'm going to have to die, wah, 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 wah. You guys going to suffer, wah, 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 wah. You're going to suffer many things, wah, 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 wah. Just... It just went through one ear out the other. They go, no, no, the subplot, the subplot, the pseudo subplot, the narrative within, the competing goal. For the Jews, for the apostles, it was nationalism. It was nationalistic pride. We've seen that prevalent nationalism in the last hundred years fall. Nationalism, again, is rising. Tribalism is rising to make great America great again. This pettiness. For those who are poor, they want to be rich. For those who are rich, they want to be significant. Those who, who, has, who have influence, it's, that's not enough. They want affluence. The cycle continues. You're a loser in junior high school? How many people losers in junior high school? Okay, don't raise your um, Probably, probably, right? But um, I, then you want to be, your narrative becomes you want to be cool. That becomes a subplot. Why why do I want to become an investment banker? Because you like counting money? Who likes that? When you're six, no one wants to count money and do derivatives. Do future contracts, go sell it to another bank. Wear a suit and tie everything. I'm so cool. I have a three-piece suit from Georgia Armani. Wow, I'm I'm so awesome. No no kid wants that. No, you, you have these subplots because... What that gives you is identity and makes people go, whoa, that guy's cool. That's I mean, really simple as that. That guy is cool. I accept him. And you know what the tragedy of our generation is and the tragedy of this passage is? A lot of us, too many of us, are, are delivered too late from the tyranny of coolness. 
It's the overarching theme here in this passage and in our lives. And that's why a lot of us can't hear what God is saying about our purpose and our calling because we have our own. And it's competing with His. Our will and God's will are under collision. And we much rather fulfill that subplot that will give me my identity and that would give me my significance. And that's what we see in this passage. So how do you discover your calling? Your ultimate calling from Jesus of Nazareth. How do you, how do you get that? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. You could kind of tell the resurrected Jesus heard this and he was a bit frustrated. You know what I'm saying? Like, it is not for you to know the times and dates the Father set for his authority. It's like, how long should I put up with you? I'm resurrected now and I'm, sit- I'm going to be sitting on the right hand of the Father. I just might start all over again. These guys are, you know? I mean, they just don't get it. Why? Because the subplot runs so deep. The subplot is chronic. What does chronic mean? It's long term. So you'd be like, okay, I'm going to listen to this message, and I'm going to get rid of my subplot. No, 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 no. No, no, the subplot never dies. That's the point. The subplot is always there. It's part of, it's ingrained in your identity, meaning it's a lifelong struggle. I was a loser in high school. I want to be cool. I couldn't get girls in junior high school. I want to just get girls forever when I'm 20, 25, 27. Vanity Fair featured an article on investment bankers doing that at a bar, using Tinder, using whatever other apps. Conquest of being cool, the tyranny of being cool. I've seen this as a father through the, emo- through the lens of emotional ecology, the psychology of a child's development, right? I mean, look at this. Let's put this picture up here. You see this gel? I bought this gel at Target. It's got super hold styling gel. And I just I put Nathan up there, but Nathan is, doesn't use that gel. There's one gel upstairs. That's Josh. <laughs> I thought this gel would last me three years. He used already two-thirds of it. Right before church, he goes, Dad, can I go gel my hair again? I'm like, no! We got to go to church, man, the pettiness. No one cares about your hair. I care about my hair. It's very important, Dad. Oh, my goodness. You see it. You see it from a very, the very you know, stage of adolescence. And it's normal. It's indicative, right? I mean, the disciples struggle with it. We struggle with it. Um, all of us do. And, and, you know, and my son is in the bathroom all the time. And he's not using the bathroom. He's just taking selfies. And he told me one time, Dad, this is how you take selfies. Or the Kim Kardashian has a rule of selfies. You take a thousand and then you pick one. Oh, so basically you picked a lie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Whatever makes you look good, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Kim Kardashian is successful, you know. She gets a million dollar post, Dad. Oh, okay. So we spend enormous amount of energy to be accepted. Enormous amount of energy to what? To be popular to be cool, 
That's why we wear brands. That's why we, a lot of the motives of why we do is still the same struggles we had when we were six. You're 26, same struggle, same subplot. And that's why this deep ingrained, this personal identity at stake for, for, for disciples, for us, for my kids, is so deeply ingrained. See, see, folks, if you really want to understand your calling, then you actually have to be interested in what it is because you're not, we're not really interested because of our own subplots. So then, how do you understand God's call for your life, God's calling for your life? How do you begin to understand it? First lesson we learned from this text is what? Read with me. Identify what? You've got to identify the chronic subplots in your life. The ongoing struggle. The ongoing motif of what I want or what I think I want. Because this is how people confuse calling. The pseudo-narrative or the meta-narrative is what I think I want, what I want God's will to be for my life. This is what I, what I want God's will for my life to be. And usually in America, the church particularly champions this. God wants me to be healthy, successful, prosperous, and awesome. That's where I want God's will to be for my life. And if that's not God's will for my life, I reject it. And then there is actually what God's will is for my life. So there's the pseudo and what? The grand, the ultimate narrative that God's calling me to do, but they're in collision. There are competing commitments there. So if you can't identify your subplot, which bleeds into what you adopt to be God's call for your life. That's why you don't go spiritually anymore. There's a, you enter a plateau spiritually, and you're, you're very muddy on what your directions for your life should be. Pettiness prevails. What should I do? How should I do it? You're always confused about what your ultimate goal is. And so what happens when, when we do this? We're always putting out fires, always dealing with problems, identity problems. We're not stoking the fire. We're not stoking who God made it be, the, past, the gifts I've been giving, or, or the, what I'm really passionate about inside. We're really dealing with putting out fires for our life, which is just the urgency domain of existence. And we get so distracted in that arena, that problem, being from uncool to cool, from poor to rich. That that becomes the, the, the motif of our lives, putting out fires, that problem, that fire. And it overtakes the narrative, the grand narrative of God's plan in our lives, the invitation for why we would put it here on earth for. So if you can't identify it, you can't surrender it. If you can't pinpoint what your narrative is, then you'll never accept the calling anyway. And so in the very beginning of the church, the ecclesia, God deals with that, that subplot. 
And he, what, brings it under submission. So the question I have for you today is this. What is, what are the subplots in your life? What are the junior high school subplots that is literally pushing you or pulling you to these meta-narratives? Where all you're trying to do is stoke, is, is not stoking the fire of purpose, but putting out the fires of problems. That has to become clear. And I pray the Spirit of God will show you. Or there's going to be a cap. You're going to be capped to how you grow spiritually, how you fulfill your purpose, how you get joy. Because you'd be struggling with that for the rest of your life. And it'll be an ongoing struggle. So identify it. Second, let's move down. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Tell someone, witnesses. You see, witnesses. Witnesses in Greek is a martyr. You're like, well, I'm supposed to die for Jesus? Yes, in a way. Remember the disciples' death, suffering, wonk, 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 wonk. Anytime we bring about suffering for the cause of Christ, or suffering, or discomfort, what, what do this generation do? Exit out, block, move away from, that's the direction. And then we talked about this from the very beginning, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You have to catch this. If there's one instruction the Bible gives about our calling, he doesn't give any other specific calling than this. And then you go, what about my calling to be a doctor or an engineer? Listen, no one call, God doesn't call people specifically to be doctors or engineers. You know why? Because not everybody can become them anyway, even if they wanted to. Right? Kego was valedictorian in his boot camp because he's a genius. Yeah. He got into NYU Tisch when other people want to get in there by a whim. I said, Kego, oh, hi. he goes, I just applied last minute. And they accepted me. Sometimes other people make it look easy. I'm just, oh, I don't know. I don't know how I got it. I just had a 4.0 GPA in, in high school and a 1,500 in my SAT, but I don't know how I got in. It, it, in our church, particularly, a lot of smart people are dumb looking. I've seen that pattern. It's an empirical pattern. You know, it's true. Empirical pattern. You know, people go, well, God called me to die. Listen, just try pre-med. And, and, and see if you're meant to be a doctor. Because how could God call you to be a doctor and for you not to be able to pass the sciences? Well, God, oh God call me, but I can't memorize anything in biology. Biochem, I don't get it. So is that calling or is it your ambition? Because your parents told you you need to be a doctor. All your friends told you that if you're a doctor, you're cool. Grey's Anatomy, you're, you're you know, Mick Hottie, whatever it is. What is, Mr. what is it? What was it? Mick Steamy, whatever it was. I'm thinking of McDonald's. That's what, no, 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 no. So, <laughs> I mean, so, so people mistaken calling with abilities. Sometimes they underestimate the abilities. Sometimes they overestimate the abilities. You go, well, well, calling has nothing to do with occupation. Because if you're called to be, called by Jesus to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, it says the Holy Spirit will push you will fill you and what? Take you out of this place to the ends of the earth. And then what, what, 
verse 9 and 12 is the most overlooked parts of the New Testament. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him in their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky, and he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from me into heaven will come back the same way as you have seen him go into heaven. There's one calling, one purpose, until the Lord returns. To take the gospel to the whole world. That's it. You're like, well, Dr. Samuel, that's not sexy. Who said it was? That's not fun. What mission is fun? Ask the Golden State Warriors if their mission is fun. They're all dying. DeMarcus Cousins said that playing in the NBA Finals was like watching a Jordan Peele movie. You don't know when people are going to die. Waiting until the next dead body. DeMarcus Cousins said he might, he thought he might die next. Or Steph Curry might die. I mean, no mission is fun. And this is the problem with North American Christianity. A lot of us want this idea of joy or, or preferences, being happy at our top of our list. Like mission is, you know, drinking jamba juice and eating avocado toast. And, or, or, you know, a Christianity should be like eating brunch on the weekend. That's not what it is. God is not calling us to that. Here in this passage, very clearly, Jesus goes, you guys need to grow up. He said, you got to re- read the scriptures again. What did I tell you in the very beginning, the foundation of, of Judaism through Abraham in Genesis 12? I will bless you to what? Make you a what? Tell someone next to you. To, to be a what? Tell them to be a blessing. What does American Christianity say? If you follow God, you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. You'll be healthy. You'll be prosperous. You'll flourish. God will promote you. And you'll be so cool and everybody look up to you and then you'll tell them God did it at the Oscars. I want to just thank God. And you look nothing like him. You don't represent him. There's no witness. You just, oh, yeah, yeah, he got that guy upstairs. Help me out. He was like, you know, pocket Jesus. I take him out. No. Jesus says, I want you guys to understand. I I blessed you to be a blessing. I don't want you to be cool. Jesus, I want you to count. I want you to really make a difference through the lens of eternity. Because being cool is just perception. Making a difference, actually counting for something bigger than yourself, is joy and fulfillment. Jesus says, come on guys, it's got the power of the spirit, the wind and fire is not just for Israel. It's to bless and to renew the whole earth. That's my vision. That's the Trinitarian vision. To bring the good news to the whole world, the whole universe count. How many people want their life to count from something greater than yourself? That's the way you get freed up from being cool. To actually count. Count for something bigger than yourself. Why are we here in this theater? In the near Union Square where things cost thousands of dollars just to rent a seat Stores are closing around us all the time because they can't afford it. Why are we here in the Mecca of New York City? 
Is it because we need another church? No, there are thousands of churches, hundreds of churches in New York City. No, we're here to count. We're here because there's a calling. Jesus is calling. Tell someone next to you, Jesus is calling. Do you hear it? There's a Jesus calling in this city like there was Jesus calling in the beginning of the church. And that vision has never changed. Not once. It's immutable. Take the gospel. Take this message to the whole world until I return. That's it. We're called to Jesus for Jesus. By Jesus. So if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're not being filled with Jesus, what is the point? There isn't. How do we move from this narrative of cool to actually making a difference, to actually counting for something? That's why I love it when we baptize people at our church. Let's put the picture up here. The last two baptisms. Oh, yeah. Let's give God a clap offering to the Lord. Yeah. When we baptize people, we remind everybody in our community what the vision is, what the calling is. Right? Real connecting with Joey and, and Sally just showing up at that spot. And I, and I mean just the store, but that spot. She was just at that spot. At that time. And so God was already moving in people's lives. Right? Even before Joey came to 180, God was moving in her life at Cornell, in Ithaca. There's nothing that happens in Ithaca. But God was moving. Trust me, I visited Ithaca. There's nothing going there. Even animals don't move there. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. God was moving. But it took a village, right? I mean, when one person gets baptized in our community, it took 10, 12 conversations. It took 10 events. That spot event cost us a lot of money. Every time Peep says, we need to do this event, I'm like, why? Oh, yeah, mission. <laughs> because it cost a lot of money. Is that worth it? Yeah. Because Jesus is calling to take the gospel, whether it's in St. Mark's, whether it's Africa, or where it's the Amazon jungle, whether it's tribes that don't still have the biblical language translated, wherever it might be, there's one immutable call, and that's to preach this gospel to the whole world. Sometimes God brings people from Indonesia or Ithaca, that's why we do what we do. A church that's not on mission, the church that don't, doesn't understand this call, basically is just eating marshmallows and s'mores around the fire. That's, that's their mission. And a church that does not live on mission or this transcendent call, pettiness prevails. Everything is about this person who looked at me that way. This person seems richer than me or more successful than me. This person was code to me. How come I was invited to the brunch? I saw an IG. Why are you not inviting me? I'm cool. 
It becomes about pettiness. It becomes about every little thing that doesn't really matter, about bleeding into the subplots. The meta-narratives become supreme in that community. And I pray that 180 does not become a place where it becomes about the meta-narratives. It becomes about the grand narrative, amen? It becomes about counting for eternity right now. Every single time we baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right here in this space, we're changing eternity. We're answering the Great Commission. What is your calling? Is your calling is to give your life, to lay down your life and kill the subplots so you can do that. You can join God, restore the beauty in all things. I remember when I came up with that, people were like, wong, 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 wong. People announcing was like, join God something, something. Join God, make me rich. Join God, make me prosper. Join God, make me healthy. Because that's the, the subplot. Join God, restore the beauty in all things until he returns. So what did we learn? What's the second thing we learned? Read it with me. What? Fulfill what? One. That's your calling. When someone tells you, what is your calling? They're not talking about your occupation. They're not talking about, do you enjoy your job? Who enjoys their job? That's why it's called a job. Did you read the book of Job or Job? It's suffering. That's why it's called Job. If you think of your job, just equate it with Job. Right, Harris? I mean, come on. Who likes working 80 hours? <laughs> Investment bank looks sexy from the outside, but you got to go there for 90 hours. Working the weekend sometimes, and you don't even know what you're doing anymore. You feel like a robot. When, when, when we talk about calling, we're talking about joining the cause, Jesus said to Pilate, for this cause I've come. It's to fulfill this one immutable call. Is your life contributing to representing Jesus to your neighbors, to your friends? Is your life becoming sanctified? Is your life representing and modeling Jesus? And that's where you're falling short. And you need to get back on the wagon and be like, okay, how do I do that? Am I spending time not just coming listen to a message? Am I living it out? Am I telling, am I going to my workplace and friends where it's uncomfortable to talk about religion? It's uncomfortable to talk about the gospel, but am I obeying? Because you see, calling is not about being successful. Calling is about what? Obedience. And that's really the question we have to answer. To. Are you being obedient to the call? Because it's yes or no. It's not like, well, I think I'm doing it. I don't know. And you don't know what the calling is. It's to be obedient. There is a call. You don't need a new one. No one has any new callings until the Lord returns. Do I understand the heaven, the new heaven and earth Revelation talks about? No. Do I understand what happens after death? No. So what am I going to do? I'm just going to do this calling until he returns or I die. Because that's the only instructions left. This is why it's called what? The Great Commission. Amen? This is what Peter Singe says. I want 180 to be about. In the presence of greatness, what? Pettiness, what? Yes, tell someone. Let it disappear. Tell someone. Let it disappear. Stop telling them. Stop being petty. 
Stop being petty. I don't care about your haircut or what shoes you're wearing. I do care about what you might eat today. Okay, but I'm going to stop that too. See, pettiness. I'm letting pettiness go. In the, pre- in the presence of greatness, pettiness disappears. In the absence of a great dream, pettiness prevails. MIT professor, fifth discipline. All great organizations live by this. The greatest organization assembled by God himself, the ecclesia, is meant to live and die by this. That's what Jesus did. He let pettiness dissipate. And he, what? He had a great dream to saving the world, to be a blessing to the world. That's what our calling is, to be a blessing to the world in Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so we have a choice as as believers. Either we allow pettiness and the meta-narratives to run the course and hijack the calling God has for all of our lives. Or we give our lives, lay down our lives, our talents, our abilities for the great dream of joining God, restore the beauty in all things. Let's stand and pray together. So were you guys able to hear the message? <laughs> no, that's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. <laughs> yeah. Was it wah, wah, wah to you? Or was it very clear what the call was? I mean, I personally find when Dr. Sammy talks to us about calling, it's pretty refreshing because, you know, I think, uh, well, me being in like my mid-20s, a lot of times you feel like there's different poles to different things in life, whether it's like, oh, this this is the way you're supposed to live your life. You're supposed to be rich, successful by whatever measure that means and like, or you're supposed to like family stuff, like this is how you do relationships. So there's like so many different ways to like live your life quote unquote um but the like real burning question for me has always been like oh, but what am i supposed to do like what wh- why was i born and what am i meant to do here and, you know that's like kind of the age-old question that um i've come to wrestle with a lot but you know hearing dr sam talk about calling and what we're called to um we're called to jesus by jesus for jesus um just makes it like really clear i think Mm. so what i hear you saying is that you're at a place where it's not god what do i want god's will for my life to be Mm. but it is at a place where you are saying god what is your will for my life yeah Mm. and that is really the transition that Mm. took place Mm. because the things that used to be in the forefront of goals to live by became peripheral you're saying right Mm. So it's a huge transition of what's most important, which is the call right, and the other stuff on the side, right? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, that, I, hopefully I'm making, I'm going in that direction. <laughs> you sound sure all of a sudden, I'm huh? just, uh, you know, just, I don't, I don't want to like sound too overconfident that I, like, you know, I'm living my life for God's mission. Cause you know, it's like, I'm just not sure what could happen or if like, some subplots are so strong that I might be blind to them. Like maybe I could be misconstruing mm-hmm. what I think God's mission is, you know, cause I tend to want to personalize it. Like, what does this mean for my career? What does this mean for like my life five, 10 years from now? And like, Oh, this must, and like you can mix it up and be like, Oh, this must be God's plan for me. Or this must mm-hmm. be God's purpose for me. But you know, I, I would like to think 
I'm trying to live my life for God's purpose, mm-hmm. not necessarily what God's plan is for me, mm-hmm. but like for God and His mission. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, these words like purpose, mission, call, like these are words that we use often, right? Mm-hmm. So let's define it mm. before we even go around the table and yeah. ask and answer, right? Right. Um, a lot of times we say, "Oh, I feel called right. to." Um, farm i feel called (laughs) to be an actor i am called i felt the calling to be a doctor right Mm -hmm. and the biblical teaching um that dr sammy brought shows that actually we're not called to an occupation right we're not called to a career there's really one call and the one call is to bring the message the gospel of the message of christ to the world to our sphere of influence Mm. Everything else, what we do, is really based on ability. Right. I think the word calling is really literal in that someone has to call you. Right. I think the world would say, well, I feel called by the universe, right? But actually, so there is a sense of transcendence. And I think that's why the word purpose comes up. Mm. Because purpose is about a transcendent meaning. Mm. That it's not just... I think people are more satisfied talking about it and just like in a worldly, just like a general sense, right? Apart from biblical, um, it's like there's more of a meaning to a job when you feel called to it, right? Mm. Right. But this text and this um, this study actually kind of reframes all of that and helps us see that there's really one call. There's one grand narrative mm. and then there's pseudo narratives, which are subplots, mm. right? So that's really the conversation we're having, right? Beca- mm. And so it's not just etymology. And there's like in between things like how the spirit leads. But I think it's so helpful that the message clears that up. Um, so actually, this sermon reminded me of a conversation I had with Dr. Sammy uh, around last year. Uh, I was actually talking about um, like, I think I was talking about uh, my calling, actually. And um, I think the conversation I had was like, you know, I... At my job right now, I was working at a film office at the time, and I was asking him, like, you know, what is what is God calling for me? And then, um, you know, the conversation I had with him actually surprised me because uh, he helped me realize that um, the the fact the 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 realization I had is that um, the the fact that I was in that office uh, in my field, being in the film industry. Uh, being with people who um, don't know Christ, um, that that is where I'm called. Um, I think I think at a certain point I, I uh, came to this idea that calling is some sort of like is like something like grand or or some sort some sort of like like some, um, like a personalized yeah like some sort of like like this grand show that I'm supposed to like you mm. know have uh, and I think I completely missed it. Uh, mm. I think. I think I was actually really surprised coming out of the conversation that my calling uh, at my workplace um, is to spread the gospel and share the gospel with my coworkers. Um, and I, I, I think I completely missed it. Actually, I completely mm. missed that uh, that what God was doing because I, I was like, okay, how do I? I think in my mind I was like, okay, how do I make how do I make movies to uh, mm-hmm. share the gospel? Or like, how do mm-hmm. I? Uh, how to use film to like sp- um, spread the gospel with people, mm. but then I completely missed the people who were right there with me. Mm. Um, and so I, 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 
I think I think Doctor Sammy is right in the sense that um, like the subplots run so deep that a lot of times like the way God speaks to us or the way God is uh, moving in us sometimes they come come out, come out like wah 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 wah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are those are the things that came out to my mind. Speaking of movies, I really um, like the illustration he uses about there's so many celebrities when they get awards they'll say oh I think the God upstairs I mean the guy upstairs you know I want to thank my Lord Jesus Christ and Savior but they look nothing like our Lord right so it to put out on the table that that's where all the subplot lies. You know, is really the grand plan of God so that you could get to a certain stage, live mm-hmm. out the subplot, get to a place where it is big enough and you say, God got me there. You Do you live for that moment? Mm-hmm. Or is there a calling for every day mm-hmm. to be the light? I love the story you're telling because I my the way that I interpreted or mm-hmm. that I heard um, the story was, you said, you know, you asked Dr. Sammy, like, what's God's plan for my life? Right. Mm. What is God's plan? And then he said, Kego, you are God's plan. <laughs> <laughs> and it was as simple as that. You are the light. Right. You are God's plan. What do you mean God's plan? He doesn't have another plan. You are God's plan. Just like we are God's plan. The people mm. of God have to become God's plan. Right. Right. Yeah. So. And I completely missed it. Yeah. yeah. I completely missed it. Right. Yeah. That is really what the message is. We completely miss it sometimes, many times. That's why I love the grocery story. It's a true story, though, because people were asking me, is that true? <laughs> but it's true. Like, um, you know, he's like super helpful, right? And he'll go grocery shopping. So he'll go at night. You know, I go to bed much earlier than he does. So he'll he'll be like, honey, I got it. I got it. He'll take care of everything. In the morning, I'll open the fridge for bre- to make breakfast. And I'll be like, whoa, there's so much jello and... Um, rice pudding I've tried so many different puddings since I got married to Dr. Sammy I'll tell you that and it's always on sale and I'm like whoa honey these are huge juices Um, and then I'll be like okay honey did you buy the eggs oh I forgot (laughs) meanwhile we have like Diet Coke you know (laughs) but that's kind of like what happens sometimes Mm. you kind of forget you know you forget completely what this is about and it becomes about everything else. Right. And I think it's such a great story of how our life, we say we want to live for Christ, but we spend most of it around it and not living out the call, yeah. which Jesus has made it very clear what it is. Right. So, I think the sermon for me was a real wake-up call because even though it's sort of been ingrained in me through you, Pastor Lydia, and Dr. Sammy, over the years that um, as I asked these kinds of questions that Kago asked, reminding me that my calling was never my job. Um, but uh, the sermon makes me think, though I understand that, or I think I understand that in my mind, do I really understand that in my heart? Because are my actions saying that? Mm-hmm. Um, what Dr. Sammy said to Kago about it's the people in front of you in your office. It's not about doing this project that's this evangelical project that's going to reach millions. Yes, that's great, but that it's the everyday mission to be reminded of. For me, I need that reminder. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking of 
all the times that I've had the opportunity to be on set, whether it be for a commercial or a TV show or whatever it is, um, or something, some small internet project. And I'll often find myself nowadays, or I'll often find myself nowadays sitting you know, and holding, which is where actors wait, or if I have a dressing room and I, and I just sit there and I think, like, this is not, this is not the dream. <laughs> this, is, mm. this is not, this can't be it. This can't be all. And I'm just kind of complaining in my mind. Like, I'm, in a sense living the dream or working towards it or getting opportunities closer towards the acting dreams or what they were. Um, but I'm so dissatisfied and I'm like just sort of becoming this resentful person that doesn't want to be there, doesn't want to do this anymore, wants to just have a whole new career. But as I'm listening to what Dr. Sammy shared with Kago, I'm just reminded that <laughs> I have an opportunity to be a light on these sets. And I, yes, it's hard for me because I get stuck in these dark places of, I don't want to be here anymore. This sucks. I want to be home with Henry. I want to be with my friends. Um, but it's something there that takes me away from ceasing the moment of what's right in front of me because there is so much darkness in the entertainment industry and I think that part of what I feel, the dissatisfaction, is a result of all that darkness. But as a believer, I should be able to rise above that and be that light. Yeah. No, I, I think... Um you're not the only one who resents their job at times. I mean, I think even on this table alone, there are many job switches, maybe except for Stu. <laughs> He's been very faithful to his job. No. <laughs> he rolled his eyes. He's been a court officer for a very long time. Mm. Kego just had a career switch. Yep. I Joe, like four. he had four job switches, career switches. Um, Wendy. I have many. Yeah. I've done it all. <laughs> and this is kind of like people's story. Like, mm. And even, you know, teachers and doctors, right? They look forward to off days because they can't stand it. Mm. Even people who go in with a cause of knowing that they'll be helping people or, you know, teaching children or, you know, healing. People get burnt out and have all sorts of resentment. It's funny because, like, you know, we have some teachers in our school, in, in our church, right? Every time, like, Memorial Day comes or, like, a break day comes, like, they're super happy. Yeah. As is anyone else, like, who has an off day. It's like, yes, I don't have to go to work. How are you doing? Oh, I'm so happy I don't have to go to work. So I think we don't have to be so holy. Like, it's okay. We don't like the job. <laughs> You know, mm. I started teaching children because I had a vision for the gospel to teach children in the neighborhood. Yeah. And I did start that. And the business began with that reason. But um, day in and day out, I have to show up and teach. Mm. 
and sometimes I dread it. So, and many times I dread it. You know. So I think there, it's okay to admit. Sometimes we hate what we do, right?、Mm-hmm. And you know, it's funny. Like talking to some people, like、oh, I just wish I could just be a missionary somewhere,、mm-hmm. and like serve the people, or you know. Yes, I'm one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> But like, oh, I wish I could just like have. I think someone said to me once, like, oh, I wish I could just like have meetings like you do, Pilud. Mm. I'm like that's not like the only thing I do, but you know, but it's it's I guess it's always looking at oh I wish I could do that I wish I could be sitting there at that cafe and drink coffee and have like perfect latte art like there are these things subplots that roam through and that's really what we're talking about today too、mm. so I'm because I feel like Joe mentioned that you know things are at periphery like I know what the goal is. And as it comes towards and Kegel's story to you, you're talking about okay. So I know that now, but am I living that? Like,、mm-hmm. and you even say like, do I really understand that in my heart to actually live that?、Mm-hmm. And then when you're even thinking in that process, all this stuff comes up. Blah blah blah. Oh, but I hate my work, and、yeah. you know, like darkness. But yeah, I know I'm the light. But I, you know, it's a struggle,、mm-hmm. and that's why this conversation is so necessary.、Mm-hmm. How about you, Wendy? Uh, I would say. Oh man, it, it's such a such a big topic because it's just you could hit career, you could hit family, you could hit so many things in regards to subplot, and I think. Where I feel led right now is probably talk about family. Maybe I think it's a little mix of family and career. I think it's like if I think okay, so purpose for me, I think before I came to Christ was if if I have money and if I have a good career, then my parents would approve. Then my parents would be happy, and if my parents aren't happy. Then I would be happy, and if I'm happy, then I would have a family, then I would have kids. Like there's a very structured way of how I saw it,、mm. and I think after coming to Christ, I realized that it wasn't as linear,、mm. and like Christ has definitely been opening up in terms of like what it means to live the call, and the call for me. Of course, it's one call. It's to be a blessing unto others. It's to lead people in your life to Christ. But I guess I still struggle with that a little bit because, in the back of my mind, I still want the approval of my parents. I still want the approval of my friends or my my cohorts.、Um, so yeah, it's interesting how. Like God has been revealing like things one by one, letting、mm. things go.、Um, mm. Yeah. So you're, what you're describing is that、mm-hmm. the mission is not like pleasant as you thought it would be. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. Once I see the mission, <laughs> it will be easy. Right. But then you start hearing the 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 the, the, the <laughs> and it's like, well, what kind of mission is this? It's <laughs> difficult. It's, it's difficult. It's、yeah. like yes, it's difficult. It. There's a lot of tears and pain, like growing pains,、mm. and like I didn't know certain things about myself that were sinful. Like just things, just re- and I had to acknowledge that first before I could get to the call. Like it, but then it's funny too because God, 
if you have a heart for like if your heart is there like god would bless even like the moments when you're not whole like mm. yeah because your subplot even before coming to christ or your purpose you felt was to be the best wendy to make others happy right correct. then i will be happy right but then realizing that coming to christ really means accepting like i'm not I'm not that perfect child. Right. And realizing that and embracing that. So that's the part of discovery. Mm-hmm. And then the part of, okay, now pleasing people is not my purpose. Actually, God is calling me to speak a message that people are resistant to. Right. And that's what you're talking about, like family. Right. They're not Christian mm-hmm. and they oppose your faith. Mm-hmm. So it's right. like, this is not my ideal plan <laughs> right this is not how it's supposed right. to be yeah i mean i wish it was more like oh i come to christ and my family's like happy about it and they're <laughs> like oh let me come too and it's like it's gonna be like a lifelong thing mm. yeah so so what you're describing is there's there's resistance to not live that subplot right and that resistance looks like temptation to be a certain way mm-hmm. and that's why you mentioned approval mm-hmm. right yeah Okay, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting you say before I came to Christ, and you thought I was gonna ask you, did that go away? But when you describe, so after I came to Christ, it seems like it just expanded. Yeah, because your community expanded. Now you want everyone's approval. Right. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's like family on top of <laughs> community, like you know. Right. So, hmm. how about you, Stu? Just to start out with, just because I've been in the same job 13 years does not mean I don't look out for those days off and want to get the heck out of work. No way. So, yeah, that's the thing. Um, and for me, like, actually work is very much in, in the same way like you, Michelle. It's, it's part, of the, part of the subplot, part of the being blind to the call, like... So I, I took a promotion a year ago. I used to be much more in the courtroom where I could interact with people and I could try to be a representative of Christ. You know, this person is having a bad day or they're in a bad, you know, experience or something like that. How can I be a light to them? How can I represent Christ's love to them? But I think now that I've taken this promotion and I'm much more a behind the scenes person dealing with fewer people, now now there's like Dr. Sammy said, like they're the people that you're dealing with every day. They're friends that you're almost a little bit afraid to reach out to in some mm-hmm. ways. And you know what? I think that's one of those things that I'm being confronted with because in my subplot or one of my subplots of comfort, it's how do I approach the 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 question of their needing Christ in their life and. Mm-hmm. You know, believe me, I see lots of people that definitely mm. need Christ in their life. And um, it's hard to approach that. And it's hard to sometimes see that and recognize that and really go and tackle that mm-hmm. when the subplot is, I am so sick of this place. I just want to go home, you know? Mm, yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. Mm. The struggle, is, uh, the challenge is, how do I approach the people that I actually want to avoid? Yeah. Mm. How, do I, how do I be a representation of Christ and how do I approach them when I don't want sometimes anything to do with them any more than I have to? Mm. Mm. You know, that makes a lot of sense. I think we could all relate to that. Mm. 
right? Because, you know, how to bring about the gospel to people you don't want. It's not that you don't want people to matter so much, but like, here it is. Like, what you're painting is that there you you are aware of your sphere of influence, right? You're saying yeah. this is my sphere of influence, but mm-hmm. I kind of don't want that to be my sphere of influence. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So running from that is the subplot. Like, oh, it's not comfortable for me. Like day in and day out, do I really want to deal with that? Mm-hmm. I'd rather just see them at work and then go home mm. and. Do my thing and do the podcast and yeah, yeah, just live in the bubble of church where people are kind of all on the same team and we're all going in the same direction (laughs) where it's easier. Yes. And I guess that is parallel to brunching with your Christian friends. Very Mm. much. Yeah. Mm. Or maybe in your case, slice of pizza. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But it's so true. I think that's very convicting Mm. because we don't want to recognize our sphere of influence because they're annoying. And only annoying because it's so close and it's so evident. Yeah. We'd rather look elsewhere, you know, and look for a mission somewhere else mm-hmm. in a more detached, more customized, individualized way. Right? Yes. And you're dealing with people who are not proven safe. So it's kind of like putting yourself yeah. into the battle zone. Yeah, that's that's the other part of it. Like how you how do you navigate those waters, especially sometimes when it's when it can be very touchy, like talking to someone as a supervisor to your subordinate about certain topics, like how do I broach this subject with them? How do I make a difference in in that area? And with some people with some people I have to own up to it. It's just my own lack of charging in where god has given me a good relationship with some people and that's 100 percent on me to actually own up and and live that call but with some people yeah it's the the what's the what's the phrase going where angels fear to tread no never heard of what no. <laughs> it's a stewism it's a stewity can, never you, can mind. you explain you that, can cut that I, one. No, no, I'm ex- uh, I want to know um Going, going where angels where fear to tread. It's it's going someplace that's so scary that even angels are afraid to go there. Like I guess that's the, oh, the that's meaning of the good, phrase. Um, makes sense. Yeah. Because really the discomfort is from relationships that don't go well. Yeah. Hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I was thinking about this, but like coming back to the call of the church and why these messages are preached, right? So the messages about schemas and distortions. Mm-hmm. Why? You know, like church love those messages because it's like, ooh, I think that's my schema. Ooh, I think that's my distortion. Yes, I'm growing. Check, like, you know, mm-hmm. I should work on that. Oh, yeah, I could see that on others. But the purpose of why those messages are preached, <laughs> why is so important. Why are those messages preached in the church? Why? To understand others better? Yes. To understand ourselves better. Right. Because ultimately, it's about relationships. Um, right? So it makes... Right? So it's equipping us. I think this is a phrase Dr. Sammy said throughout all those um, messages. So that we will flourish and become a blessing. Mm-hmm. Mm. But like we hear that, but we're like, oh yeah, I like this message. <laughs> 
Love this message, Dr. Sammy. Love this series. Because it's enlightening. We love things that are customized to us where we could focus on ourselves and mm-hmm. get to know ourselves better, right? Because it feels, it feels good. Mm-hmm. Even though at the time we'll be like, oh, why do we have to do this? This is so painful. And it was. Mm-hmm. The whole series of discovering schemas and distortions. But the purpose and the reason why we learn those things is so that the church can be equipped so that we can have relationships mm. with mm. others. Yeah. Mm. Ugh, it's like so obvious, but so difficult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you have a subplot running mm. that's about comfort. Mm. Right? Yeah. Right. It's like if you have a subplot of comfort, you're going to be like, oh, there's someone I could get to know. There's someone I could get to know. Right. Well, okay, I'm just going to go the other way right. walk around you know yeah. i'll use the other bathroom and the other side <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. but that's what we do and i think that's how subplot affects us you know not even like we're not even at the place of like really identifying what it is but i think that's kind of the thing like it whatever it causes us to do it makes us miss the very point of why we do what we do and mm-hmm. we'd rather block out the part that says to floor so that we're equipped to flourish to be a blessing mm. to others that part is like bom, 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 bom. it's like <laughs> oh flourish yes lord thank you like i want to flourish i want to know myself more yes lord <laughs> i want to grow right. grow what is grow? why do we even grow yeah right yeah i think we often think we grow because it's great for us <laughs> Yeah, because God wants me to be the best me that I was supposed to be. Like, yes. that's that's the thought. Yeah. And then the challenge comes and the sphere of, cons- sphere of, of influence comes and you're just like, oh, okay, I think I want to admit that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that conflict, I think I want to walk away from that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, rightfully so in so many different ways. Yeah, we learned about unsafe people, safe people. But what's the purpose of us becoming safe people? Or what's the purpose of mm. us healing if we're not going into a, a broken world? Mm. Yeah. Mm. I think like that's that's the thing. We missed the point. And I think still, like you described it really well. Like Eve, I really feel convicted by that. You know? You described it like it's really you just don't want to deal with the people that you have to see every day sometimes. And that might be family, that might be coworkers. Mm. But we don't like the sphere of influence. We want another kind of influence. And I think that's what Dr. Sammy's talking about. Like subplots run in something else that we want. It's not, God, what is your will? And our his will for us is to be the light where we are. And it's kind of like, I love the quote, um, bloom where you're planted. Mm-hmm. But it's like, uh-uh, like we try to escape it at all costs. Like sometimes a mission becomes about escaping and keeping myself safe. And Mm. we totally missed a mission. Mm. But I think God's definitely doing something to awaken us so that we don't miss the mission that's at hand. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know? Uh. Can I say something? Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. I was going to say that when Dr. Sam was talking about those Sunday brunches and like hanging out with your friends, I'll be honest, I felt called out. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) oh, man. 
you know, I'll be honest. I enjoy meeting up with my friends, hanging out with them, um, and I, I'll be honest. I, I really enjoy those times. Um, and so when I heard it, I was like, "Oh snap, that's me!" Um, <laughs> but I think I felt kind of shy. I was like, "Oh, I, I hope he's talking about somebody else." <laughs> yeah. Oh, you went one one. I was like, "Ooh, that's not me, right?" Mm. Um, but uh, you know what? I think I think taking some time after, I was like, "Okay, you know what? That that is me. That is me. That is mm. part of me. That is um, I do I do like um, I do like I do like taking my time off. I like I like I like taking time for myself." Um, like that's, mm. you know, I, I'm not, I'm not part, I'm not, um, I'm not, I'm not discluded. What's the word? Excluded. I'm not, <laughs> yeah, I'm not yeah. excluded from it too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I think, I think, you know, while I was listening to the sermon, I, 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 you know, I, I felt God telling me like, wake up, like, wake up, like there's more at hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as soon as you said um, family, I've just felt convicted by God saying, yeah, you know you have a family member that you need to, you know, be there for, especially right now. So, mm. yeah, that's, uh, that was a, that was, saying that was a very big conviction to mm. me. Does anyone here struggle with the subplot of being cool? I do. Jolu. Yes, I do. Um, Please tell us about that. I think, uh, I mean, to be honest, this this sermon always reminds me of like the beginning of, uh, well, not, this topic always reminds me of the beginning of the purpose-driven life where it says it's mm, not about it's you. It's not about you. Because, you know, knowing knowing that there's a mission at hand and that we're joining God in this mission, not that God has a mission for us, but we're joining God's mission, just kind of like flips the script, you know? And I mm-hmm. think a lot of the times... As we're growing up, or like just just even when you're young, you wonder what life has in store for you, right? Like, it's like, what's my life going to turn out to be? Am I going to be this? Will I be this kind of a person? Will I be this, this? Or like, will I be, will I be cool? Will I be rich? Will I be famous? Will I be a celebrity? Like, will I be loved by people? And it's, it's really me-centric, right? Like, it's very focused on who we are. And I think that's why our generation and our culture... Um, you know, I, I know there's like that common trope that millennials are like a narcissistic generation and such like that. But I think it's because a lot of times we're thinking about like what's in it for me, like what does this life have in store for me? Um, and so like, you know, growing up, you're, you're thinking I'm I'm thinking about all these things like oh, where at one time I felt like a loser, I want to be a winner, right? There's like that kind of a chip on your shoulder to want to be cool, like and so you start dressing differently, uh, you start like speaking differently, you start associating with different crowds. Um, almost so much that, like, you're trying to be the best you, like Stu was saying, and you get caught up in that. You're caught up in your growth. Um, but it's it's amazing what happens when, you, when you're really living for God's purpose or God's call, I think, um, just from trying to do it. And I can't, I say that, like, I get nervous talking about this because, you know, I don't want to be so, like, definite about, like, my faith and my life and like yeah, I'm definitely living for God's cause like, I don't really know you know but I can say that I'll, I will try or like I'm trying to because I think it's so important that like we see that this this growth is not just for us like when you said that line you know bloom where you're planted it's like we, we bloom where we're planted so that we can bear fruit for like the other things around us like the other creatures animals or like you you know you spread your you know you 
you plant more seeds wherever you are so that there could be more fruit and more flourishing. And like, that's such a beautiful picture that we're all called to, but sometimes we're just thinking about like, okay, so like, I'm a pretty cool tree. I'm going to be like as pretty of a tree as I could be. (laughs) And, and you miss out on like the continuous cycle of like life. You can be pouring out into Mm -hmm. other things, you know, like is, is, the creation of something just for the benefit of its own like narcissism and self-glory it's like i think it if it when it adds onto like the picture of what god is doing with creation like restoring beauty or like proliferating beauty all around us that's like well that's that's amazing you know i think like being cool just kind of goes out the window when it's like you realize like you realize it's so petty yeah it's not about us you know like when, you know being cool is just so like self-absorbed like oh like i want to everything's kind of like a status symbol like where do you stand uh next to the person next to you and it's it it like separates you from that person right it's like okay i'm cooler than them or i'm not as cool as them i want to be just as cool as them and so it it, it creates a schism where god wants to like create relationship where Mm -hmm. we're supposed to be in relationship with one another and like edify each other and help each other um so yeah i mean i think like most of my life i was trying to be cool i think um that's what gave you a certain sense of validation but i think i don't know learning more about god's call and purpose and mission and wanting to live for it and wanting to give up everything for that so that even just one could like know how good life is or like Mm. how awesome like like how filled i am from having a relationship with christ and you know trying to live out uh god's call is for others like that's that's something worth sharing i think i think i think i think mm-hmm. so anyways mm-hmm. no i think you're right so let's talk about like without without like making it so focused on what are my abilities because right. i think it could easily become that it's kind of like oh what's my spiritual gift what's your mm-hmm. gift what's your gift oh i don't have that gift oh it sucks like yeah. i mean we often become petty so like with the big picture and the very grand narrative in mind let's have this conversation about abilities is not calling yeah Mm. occupation is not calling Mm -hmm. vocation is not calling Mm -hmm. right so like joe you are um gonna be entering columbia soon yes and you're doing a post-bac program Mm -hmm. for to can you explain that Uh, um (laughs) yeah it's a pre-med so I'm going to Columbia, uh, the School of General Studies for a pre-med post-bac program, mm-hmm. um, going into the, the healthcare profession, potentially, if I do well. Okay. And Wendy here is, she's passionate about farming. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to just kind of like bring it together, but like, I'm just using the two of you as an example, but yeah. um, we recently watched a movie about farming. Mm. And Wendy's like super passionate about farming, right? And she's a, she used to be an urban farmer before she mm-hmm. went back into sales, right? Yeah, that's correct. And um, it's interesting because you would think she would come out watching. It, I think the movie was called Biggest Little Farm. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. I watched it twice. I can't remember the title, but <laughs> um, but like for me, the movie spoke because it's about God's mission. It's about how hard it is to plant a church and for it to flourish and for people to get what it's about like it was about the struggles of that but it's interesting because you think Wendy's so passionate about farming that she'll come out and be like i want to farm but 
she came out and she was like in tears and she was like, wow, I think this is about the kingdom of God. <laughs> and those were her right. tears. Right, because right. that day, wow. that sermon was about, um, um, was about like community and mm-hmm. how it's a beautiful about mess. About the widows. Mm, yeah. Yes. And that, the movie was sort of like. So a, messy. It was so messy, right? Yeah, there so was so many much, problems. There were so many uh-huh. problems that came up. Um, and it, it, the story about the, the farm, it was like four years of like just continuous problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but like things just happened, um, and it worked out and it was like a beautiful mess of like how everything worked out, worked out. Yeah. Yes. And for you, the dream equated to living for God's kingdom. Right. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Wendy, you're really a farmer of God's <laughs> kingdom. And you know, in the in this in your story, Joe. Um, as much as you love lifting, and as mm-hmm. much as you love, um, I mean, I don't know if everyone knows, but Joe like loves to lift big, heavy things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is, you can find that on my Instagram. I had a shameless plug. <laughs> but like, yeah, like, and he, he loves about like talking about health and all that stuff. But his number one passion is evangelism. Mm-hmm. Right, Joe? Yeah. So let's talk about that, right? Because people will be like, oh, Joe, you're going to be in pre-med. You found your calling. Oh, like, look at you. You're doing a career change. Right. Um, but actually, it's not any of those things, right? It's an occupation because you're bright and you're smart enough and Kegel, I'll get to how you're a genius. Dr. <laughs> Sammy said. <laughs> you said you blushed. But for you, it's about evangelism. It, be, it gives you a platform not to go through all of this and say, oh, Dr. Lou. Right. Uh, and then you're like, oh, I am a Christian. No, <laughs> it's really about the daily grind of being the light each day through the process. Right. It's right. not so that you could arrive to become a doctor and say, I have influence as a doctor because I am a healer. Yeah. Like, but as silly as that sounds, that's how people imagine what calling is or right. influence is. Yeah. But it is not that. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I think the idea is like pretty often conflated, you know, because like, again, that's like, so, like the, it's to think that, you know, this was like God's plan for you so that you could be great. And then like your greatness is like, what's going to influence people. I, it's like, that's like kind of far from it. I think it's like, we're called to do mission wherever we're at, at whatever posts that we're in. And I think, um, oftentimes that's like so missed because we're, we're just thinking about ourselves all the time. We're thinking about our character development. Like, and it's not much different that temptation or that like distortion of what calling is yeah. or influence is not much different than what the disciples thought because right. Their subplot was nationalism, mm. right? They wanted to be a great nation again. And mm-hmm. they really believed as a people that God was going to make them great. Right. God was going to set them free from the captivity mm. of the Rome, Romans, right. right? So the Roman rule. So it is not different. Yeah. But I often think, oftentimes we think it will look like that. Right. And how Jesus resurrected mm-hmm. Christ comes and says, it is not for you to know when I will do all these things. Mm-hmm. Right? I think so. I mean, definitely. I mean, I completely agree. I was just kind of lost in thought. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's, it's so funny. I mean, I, I really love like the kind of 
reference Dr. Sammy made to that with like a current like what is it political situation mm-hmm. right because I think it's like we we think like God is serving us mm-hmm. you know and I think that's kind of like the big mistake that we make it's like kind of like oh God because like and like this is kind of like again like the narcissism I think a lot of us have is like we think God is doing all this stuff so that we can be like amazing because he yeah, loves like, us what the shining yeah, like yeah. the stars mean mm-hmm. yeah exactly mm-hmm. and like make me bright right and it's like uh, for again like what purpose you know I think when we ask ourselves why and like why do we do what we do or like why is God doing these things it's like we kind of like the picture that we have for ourselves and like what a blessing my life is going to look like but it's God God is doing all these things weaving all these different lives together so that it's like it could look beautiful collectively like as a as a collective measure and I think like you know for the most part like I don't even I didn't even want to kind of go to school or like I didn't really care like I just about like being a doctor or anything like that um but like wherever I go I hope that I can represent the gospel to people like even if like like let's say for example like I don't do well in school but like someone came to Christ or something or like some like maybe that's all it was for like maybe that's what what that whole like episode in my life is for and I think that's a win I don't I don't think I need these things for myself or like it's not for me like this life is not for me and I think realizing that was so beautiful like I don't Mm. I don't want everything to be about me um well, I did at one time for sure but like right mm-hmm. now it's just kind of like this is this like hunger for a purpose and like for really contributing to like something really beautiful um is is addictive you know I think it's it's pretty amazing and like the character development is just like a byproduct of like you entering this journey with Christ you know I think it's like people see like how great you are as a and they mm-hmm. think that's that's the result but like the that's just kind of like leftovers of the the real feast of what god is doing you know yeah okay go so you're having a job switch and i know you want to be excellent at um <laughs> being a com- uh coder a, a engineer. programmer yeah yeah engineer mm-hmm. but you're really a nerd <laughs> genius oh boy. who's living for christ yes who Wait, happens to no. be who happens to be in engineering yes Mm. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I am a nerd. <laughs> um, you know, Dr. Sam is saying that our occupation is not exactly our calling, but it mm. merely displays our ability, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think for me, um, like while I was going to programming boot camp, um, you know, I, I think a great temptation was like, oh, you know what? It's like, School is so hard, and like school is such a like a priority for me, that like I was like, oh well, maybe I should just take a break from like all my ministry and like mm. d- like doing like um, small groups and whatnot, because you know mm. I should be excellent in whatever I do. Mm. Um, but then I, you know, I also realized. Wait, that let's pause there. Okay. Because like that, what you said, because I should be excellent at what I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let me pause on that. Right. Okay. It's so subtle. Yeah. It's so subtle how it just creeps in. And then everything we are living for becomes peripheral. And everything we are doing that 
at the end of the day, it is not even the call. It's just we're called to be faithful, right? Right. Becomes the main focus because we human beings love to focus on one thing to be great at it, to be the best at it, so that we could be the best that we can be. Mm. Wow, so subtle. Mm. But please continue. Yeah, and um, I have to say it was it was a very big temptation for me. Um, like, I went through a course where I was I was in class for like forty hours a week, and it was homework. Um, and it was definitely a, you know, it, I wouldn't never, I wouldn't say it was an easy program. And um, I think I felt a very strong temptation to say, okay, uh, let me take a break. Let me take a break from like my ministry. Let me take a break from everything I've been doing uh, because you know what, like this is tough. Um, but I also felt a very strong tension to want to still like follow through with my ministry, like follow through with um, like like reaching out to people for the gospel. And um, I, you know, I gave people a heads up. I gave people a heads up. Like, okay, you know, school and class might be really hard. Like I might actually need some time uh, to take a break, even from like podcasts. Uh, and there were, there were weeks that I, I gave people a heads up that I won't be able to make it a podcast because I had a project. It was like one week. <laughs> it was one week. <laughs> mm, um, you said you had a project you had to do. Yes. Okay. And, but at the same time, I think, I wanted to fight really strongly to still come out to podcast and go to go to Thursday and Friday small group because um, I knew that God wanted me to be there. Uh, I knew that God wanted me to speak to people and to share the gospel. And I knew that that's that's what my life is about. Uh, mm. As as much as my life, I do I do want to uh, you know as as much as I do want to be a better programmer or to do well in my career. Um, mm-hmm. I felt like I would be missing the point if I wasn't living out my life while mm-hmm. trying to pursue those mm-hmm. things. Uh, living out my, yeah, my, my, my mm-hmm. calling to mm-hmm. share the gospel. Yeah. I mean, it's not that like God's opposed to taking a break. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> but it's right. the subtlety of, well, let me kind of just take it easy in these areas. These, you know, these areas that add to my purpose but let me be excellent in this and let me focus on this like it's very subtle but it becomes that right right and there definitely has to be a subplot that's running under that that we get very focused and fixated on being the best of me like not that being the best of us is bad you know and i feel like i have to state the obvious because i think in many ways the message is very offensive like the call is offensive like what I am a doctor, I am an engineer, I am a designer because um, I felt passionate towards it. But it almost could sound like, are you reducing it to ability? So what, there's no transcendent purpose? Like, I'm not going to be great? Like, all that comes almost like a huge, like, wind of kind of like a hurricane, you Mm. know? Then what does that mean for my life? So I think definitely there is that... um, Interplay, but also even, I would even say warfare Mm. of chaos that really mixes with angst inside. Like, what are you saying? Like, what are you saying? Like, what are you saying about my life? Like, what do you mean by that? You know, it's very offensive. I think, um, I think for me, like, um, I think there is always that self-love of like, well, I want to do, like, I want to do something that people recognize me for. Uh, Like, or like, I want to be like, you know, held to high esteem. And so I think... Uh, especially with our profession, uh, or especially with my profession, I think, um, I think that that idea of like, what, what do you mean, like, 
I like I I've tried so hard to you know like I went to I went to I went to like college I went to like I've been in this company for years like I should be recognized for my efforts I should be recognized for uh, my ability uh, and I think um, I think the way Dr. Simon put it was that like in the kingdom of God like in terms of living our calling like it doesn't matter if you're a doctor or if you're a janitor mm-hmm. uh, like it to live out the gospel and to live out our calling uh, it's one and the same really mm-hmm. and I think that was um, eye-opening yeah, it's such a great reminder. That's true. You know, even to the point, he said, some of you may not be successful. Some of you may not be rich. Some of you may be rich. And some of you may have fame. <laughs> but if that's the lot the Lord has for your life, can you really live for the fire, to stoke the fire of God's mission and God's power, God's work, right? Like, instead of putting out fire for the rest of your life of urgency and of petty things. and But I think that's liberating in so many ways that mm. we're not called to be successful. Mm. And, you know, let's define success. I think that when someone begins to i don't know find an interest and ability and they want to be really great at it like i think we tend to think like okay we look at like a prototype like we look at something and say i want to be like that right whether it's a christian leader or whether it's like uh i don't know a writer or a director we go i have to be that and because i look at that and I know what it could look like. That's the best of me. And we make that connection so fast. And, you know, Dr. Sammy talked about that too. Sometimes we overestimate our abilities. Sometimes we underestimate mm-hmm. our abilities. And then we kind of live in this, like, this juggle of subplots in our lives. And we're always trying to achieve. But going back to the whole, like, I want to be the best. Like, I want to be excellent at something. And God's not supposed to excellence. But that's not even, like, the main point Mm. you know like joe goes to as far as saying even if because like yeah he was admitted into a it's a very selective program but he hasn't started school and i think he's just putting it out there you know i think we all know that he will do well because he's smart you're smart joe (laughs) but um and you're great in sciences but he's saying well i don't know how i'm gonna do i think i'm gonna find out like Mm. You know, and even if I don't do well and I fail an exam or not do so well, and it's possible. But if, or even if I do really well, I would have not lived out my call if I didn't live to share the gospel in my sphere of influence. Right? I mean, that's like the flip, but it's so clear. And um, even if you didn't do well, and you are a light in your sphere of influence, well, then you are living out the call. So actually, success is, doesn't really matter. Like the best of best, like Kim Kardashian, like all these like people, it doesn't really matter. Like that's not what God expects of us. And I think that's an eye-opener too. Like what God expects, us, expects of us of excellence is sometimes like a, a, um, 
our own distortion and imagination of what success looks like. No one even put that on us, but you know what I mean? It's there. And social media perpetuates it, yeah. But we're called to be the light. We're called to bring the gospel to our sphere of influence. Like one of, I think one of my subplots is definitely like scarcity of like money. Like I'm not mm-hmm. gonna have enough money, um, and like I'm, I like had like this weird paranoia about that all the time. So like even going to school was a tough decision, mm-hmm. and like all this stuff. And I'm like I'm not sure what it's gonna. Maybe I'm gonna be in debt forever. Or I'm gonna be mm-hmm. poor for the rest of my life. Um, and yeah, like that's not gonna be ideal for me. It wasn't at one time, but like for me at this time, it's kind of like I know that I've spent so much money doing mission anyways like we're like hanging out with friends or going on expensive vacations with one of my friends um and for what purpose i i think it was to do that relationship like that's not a wise investment or that's not like how you save money or that's not how you get rich later in life but i did it because i think i thought it was important my focus i try to make this focus so clear or as clear as possible and i make this joke often which like doesn't go well with people, but it's kind of like, I think I could be a pretty good homeless person. Like, <laughs> like I thought of these scenarios of like, if worst case scenario, I'm just homeless and I'm on the streets. Oh. I think I'll be fine. Like, I yeah. think I'll be okay. Like, right. I, like, I just need a few things. I could go find something to eat. I could do some push-ups or something, you know, like, but like, if I have relationships and I can like know this truth and have the the ability to share this truth with people or to share the gospel or like do relationships even if I don't have a home be like a vagabond or a nomad and like stay at people's places I don't know like I think I'll be fine you know I, I, there's not much more in life that I really need or you tell just, myself just that describe Christ oh yeah yeah oh yeah um alright yeah push ups I'm sure I don't know I mean to push up, but he just described our Lord yeah, well yeah I, I'm trying you know I like I think I like when I was younger, I remember I couldn't really define like what a hero looked like to me, you know. But like more and more, evidently, like in the in this time period of my life, in the last couple of years, it's like it's clear to me that I want to be like Jesus, and like that's what if I, if if push comes to shove, and like whatever, I'm not a success to the world standards. I, I think I'll be fine, you know. I think I try. Well, I try to tell myself that. <laughs> I you know, I would like to think that as long as I have what I have with Christ. And I get to share that with people. That's that's a well-lived life. Or that's a life lived for God. And, you know, I try to do... I try to direct all that energy and all those resources for that for that idea, you know. And, you know... But so I, that's why, I like, I'm, I'm not so sure or so confident to say that I am doing this. Like, I mm-hmm. want to be very careful about it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I could be wrong, but... I mean, because we haven't arrived. Yeah, you know, you never know. And I don't know what tomorrow's going to look like. You know, I could say all this... Up, like and just it's just like a fart on my butt but it could or it could be substantial so um we'll we'll have to see but this is like how i would want to live my life you know mm-hmm. well it's definitely a choice right right and why we have conversation around it is because we could understand it but like how do we live it right hmm. like you know Stu just said recently i mean like in this podcast he said i just felt convicted that there is a family member that I've been avoiding that needs Christ. So, 
as God calls, there's also a leading of the fire of the Spirit. I think that's what Dr. Sam is talking about. He's about talking about stoking the fire of the Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. How is the Spirit leading, right? But I think it also confronts the fact that we live with our eyes closed and we live avoiding the matter. Mm-hmm. So it is a choice we make whether to bring the gospel whether to approach um our co-workers our mm. friends right. our family right. it is really we're really dealing with a choice mm-hmm. yeah it's either going to be a yes or a no it's right. not really a fluff of i realize this today but tomorrow i might fail i mean yes we will all fail right. but it's really living the call out each day yeah recognizing um our sphere of influence recognizing what plays against our influence Mm. to share christ which is the subplot Mm. and um that's why we're having this conversation to make it so clear because the obvious and the main thing always gets so uh, foggy right right yeah right Mm -hmm. definitely there's like so many things that are like pulling for our attention um like will i be liked if i have this will it be will i be rich one day will i be successful one day you know like these are all like different pursuits and we all get pulled in so many different directions um but you know i think like if you're a believer and you're a follower it's like really clear the one thing that we're called to do you know and i I love that it's it's like that dr sammy said you know, this is one immutable call, and this call is not going to change. But it's it's about like our commitment to this call is what what is going to change things and like change us for this purpose. You know, because I, I can't say like I've always thought this way or I've always lived this way. I really think it was a product of me saying yes at one point. Like yes, this is, that's, I was actually yeah. going to ask you that question uh. because you you're drawing a very clear picture that it there was a before and an after. Right. And I think many people are in that in between where whether they have hit a plateau uh-huh. where there's no spiritual growth or spiritual fervor or it's like, okay, I didn't know I was doing that. But if that's the call, I want, then it's pretty simple because yeah. most people spend their energy trying to figure out what is my calling? Right. What is my calling? And then people switch jobs mm-hmm. and then they go, wait, I don't think this is it. I don't think this is where God wants me. And then they switch jobs again. Right. But... You could switch jobs, but if you're certain of what the call is, the immutable call of God, mm. well, that part is certain. It's yeah. it's an anchor in us. Mm-hmm. That hope is for real for us and for others, right? right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I was actually going to ask you that, and you answered it. You said it was at one point I said yes yeah. to the call. Mm-hmm. It was a choice you made from before to now yeah. to follow the call. Mm-hmm. Because you understood what the call was at one point and you said, you know what, that's what I want to live for. Right. And it's not the fact that temptations and subplots will go away. And Dr. Sammy makes it very clear. It's chronic, meaning it will be life, lifelong. Yeah. But will you choose to live for the call in spite of those competing commitments? Right. Right? Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I was thinking about like the book of Job and like, I mean... I think I want to live the call, but at times I, I I think to myself, I don't 
I know I'm gonna suffer. Like, mm. there's like like a self preservation. Right, there's a self preservation that comes up. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I don't wanna. I don't think any of us feel self preservation. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're the only one that feels this. So yeah, you wanna talk about this? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so. You're, you guys are right. Uh, just to just say the obvious. I feel like I'm the obvious queen, but we all struggle with self-preservation. Right. Just so that it's clear. Mm. So it's not like want one. Someone's oh, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, go on. Please continue. I think about the Book of Job and the this the suffering he went through, and I'm like, I don't know if I can be like Job. Like I don't. Like I want to praise the Lord. I want to. I think it's. I think the ideal of it is like wonderful, and I feel so much love from Him. But then, when push comes to shove, like, will I be able to? Like, like, there's a lot that I have to let go. Like, there's a lot of control that I have to let go. And it, it, it's 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 like a struggle, like all yeah. the time. Yeah. You know, like I guess. You're saying this, and because this is all our struggle, I think it's really whether it's past um, trauma with people or dealing with unsafe people and recognizing and discerning through all of that, or whatever the case might be. Um, I remember um, I heard this, and I was like, "Oh, that is so true! Wow, that is so crazy how true it is." But it, here it is: we're not gonna die doing it. Like someone said that, like you know, <laughs> it's not like you're in uh, Afghanistan and trying to declare Christ, or you know, in some remote place trying to share Christ. You're not really fearing for death, but we're really talking about walking across the room. Oh, that's mm. like so, so crazy and stupid. But it's really about at the end of the day, it's really about our convenience. Mm. Like, uh-huh. oh, that's really inconvenient. Like, what's that going to look like when I, you know, open myself up to that person? What's going to, what's that going to be? Am I going to have to, you know, run away from that situation? I think that's what you're describing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a resistance to evangelism. There's a resistance to dealing with, it's like we're really not talking about life and death and sometimes maybe Mm. i think i've heard even people say like i'd rather die like i'd rather die for christ than live for christ and i think that's a good point because that's how that's really what um self-preservation really is Mm. it's like what Stu described like he'd rather avoid the people he works with he'd rather avoid talking to his family member about christ I mean, we could talk about it till we turn blue, but mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's a thing. I think, you know, I think there's a sense like our sphere of influence is very clear to us, but we'd rather be blind to it. There's like a denial of it even. Do you guys know what I mean? And perhaps that's my subplot or but it's like the sphere of influence is clear because mm. you know you're surrounded by people who need the gospel. But we would rather turn a blind <clears throat> eye to it. Mm. You know, like we have days in the sun and the announcements are 
please keep mind keep in mind those people that you are keep keep praying for the people that you want to invite and please invite your family and friends and we hear that and we're like yes we should and then I think many people are at like, oh, God, please don't tell me who to invite. Because if it is that person, I really don't want to. <laughs> like, oh, it's probably not God. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's probably the enemy because you know that person. <laughs> that person is horrible and they will ruin my life. They will ruin my community. And we kind of like live in this denial where we turn, we'd rather turn a blind eye. Mm. Right. You know, I realize like many times like God brings people to me, but I'd rather like I'm like maybe not even intentional, but like I don't even realize it. You know, like you you want to be influential for Christ and God brings you people. You know, one time God said to me, he said, you know, Lydia, you'll be very surprised how many people want to get to know you. Mm. And it's true. I'm surprised by that. Not because I don't see my worth per se. And maybe the, it is that. But I'm just like, where? Like, what? It doesn't really make sense. But I, I'm i starting to understand what God is saying. God is saying, like, Lydia, people, like, come to you to, because they see the Lord. And I turn a blind eye to it. Maybe because I'm blind. <laughs> you know? And I think that's for many of us, right? Joe's like, no, not me. (laughs) 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 Yeah. I mean, I guess just to paint the picture that how resistant we are Hmm. to the call. It's like, God, not that. I'd rather do everything but that. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Yeah, I remember the the sermon that Dr. Sam was talking about, um, and he was talking about like how we forget that um, you know the people who um, you know th- that people go to hell, uh, that we don't live our lives as though people uh, people don't know Christ, um, and I think that sermon hit really hard for me, especially concerning you know the first thing that came up for me was my family. Uh, my family's Buddhist, and um, I'm the only person in my family who is Christian. Uh, who believes in Christ, and so, um, you know, I I I went home uh, shortly after that, um, and I, I I had a conversation with my mom. It was really scary. It was incredibly scary, right? Um, I was definitely tearing up during the conversation. Um, and you know, in hindsight, I definitely didn't go about go about it very elegantly. Um, mm. I was definitely like shaking and like kind of like I had I it took like three hours because. Um, you know, I was, I was, I was like really scared, mm-hmm. uh, of what, what I wanted to say and what I was trying to say. And, um, you know, even in the midst of that, I was also trying to figure out if I was saying anything, like if anything made sense at all. Um, and then I was also scared of how the relationship was going to, you know, cha- how the relationship might change. And, um, but I think more than anything, what convicted me to have that conversation was because I, I love my mom, um, more than anything. Um, and I knew that if I wanted to, you know, uh, uh, I remember how Dr. Sam is like with his friend is like, you know, his friend who's not Christian, uh, but he's like, hey, uh, you know, I'm glad that you share the gospel with me because if, you know, if if it's true that, you know, you know, that those who don't believe in Christ go to hell, then 
you know, as a friend, I would be offended if you didn't tell me. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew that for me, that if my mom was in my place, that she would try her best to tell me. Mm. I knew 100%. And so, uh, you know, as, as, um, as much as I knew that it would be difficult, I, I felt very strongly that it was, it was definitely God's calling for me to share that mm-hmm. with her because I love, love her so much. Mm. Um, and, um, you know what? It's true that, you know, Dr. Samuel said it too. It's like, it's not always fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, this, this part was definitely not fun. Mm. I would say. Um, and, um, you know what? She gave me a flat out. No, she was mm. like, I'm, I'm never going to church. I'm not going to church. Mm. Um, and, um, you know what? It was, it, at the same time, I know that, um, you know what? This is something that I'm, I want to fight for and I'm going to fight for for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as long as, uh, as long as it's however many chances I have, however, however much time I have. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that, uh, it's, it's the fight that I think I've, it's, it's the fight that's worth fighting for. Um, yeah, that's true. You know, I had a grandpa who was not a believer. Mm. My whole family uh, was Christian except him. And he's, like, very stoic. Even though he's, like, loving, he doesn't talk much. He's kind of like the CEO type. So he would always be in his room. He would buy his meals or whatever. But he would always go back to his room. And um, I remember, like, um, it was my sister and I had two cousins. So we always kind of, like, hung out at my grandma's house. And I would always be like, I got to tell grandpa about Christ because you know he's going to hell. And they did not care. Like, they just didn't care. Like, we're kids. Just before I was born again. I knew the gospel, but I was like, and I would be like, I'm going to take one for the team. And I'm just going to go in there and tell grandpa about Christ. Mm. Because we had this thing, like, everyone would go to church, but grandpa would play his, um, that card game thing that you guys do. Hato. Is Hato that? But there's this Korean card game. Go stop. Go stop. Every Sunday, he would just play his game. Hmm. And I'm like, I'm going to ask him again. Um, how about you? Do you want to go to church? No. The church is not for me. Hmm. I'm like, oh. But then it became like my life mission. And I didn't know when he was going to say yes. Right? It became my life mission. So every, every time, I would ask him. And then we immigrated to the U.S. because my dad... Um, got a visa to start church and then we came to the US and now I didn't see him now I felt so responsible for him my grandpa and so I would pray for him and I would be like God please like I would be like crying and praying like please let my grandpa come to Christ like please like I didn't know much but that's like I knew I just knew I loved him he's going to hell like he needs to come to Christ and then I remember I had this like hope of a dream and I held on to this like, like, like life. I had a dream that like it was like a stair to heaven and my grandpa was on it. So I didn't take it as, oh, everything is all good. And actually Billy Graham says that. He says, well, I don't know why people stop praying for the people they started reaching out to when they have not come to Christ. Why do people stop? You know, just because there's no signs or whatever. But anyway, so I remember that day gave me so much hope. Like, I was like, well, you kind of hope it's hope. So I'm like, God, I'm going to take this as a sign as there's hope for grandpa. And he came to the States. And actually, my grandpa and my grandma were against my mom marrying my dad because he was Christian. And he was becoming a pastor, like resistantly against it. But they came and... 
he kind of had to come to church because church started in my house mm. <laughs> you know so our living room became a sunday service mm. like chairs like we didn't have pews but you would set up the chairs couches were moved and it became a pulpit with you know that's how we started and i remember grandpa had to sit there so he started hearing the gospel because it was my dad and me like we were tag teaming and then of course like my dad knows and there were so many people coming to christ like buddhists coming to christ right like 80 year old grandma coming to christ and she was buddhist all her life and all these people right so they would sit in the room and hear the gospel and i know my dad's preaching to my grandpa like he's preaching preaching to the gra- my grandpa and then um one day my dad led him to christ he said do you he said what he asked me he's like do you you know god so loved the world he came to die for you do you want to accept him as your lord and savior so you'll never perish like several times no 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 but one day he said yes Mm. i don't know if it was my dad's persistence or my persistence but one day he said yes and he got baptized so before he went Mm. back to korea he he got baptized and went back to korea so on his trip he came to christ but it was like 10 years 10 years of sharing the gospel with him Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wow so my dad managed to lead my mom's brother to christ and her younger brother to christ my grandma came to christ but it was like my grandpa was the last one wow but 10 years so I think a lot of times we look at it as like a one-shot deal it's like if you're shot down you're like forget that it's Mm. not gonna work you know but it's not always the case sometimes it's like a long process but mm. to not give up and i remember billy yeah. graham saying that like i don't know why people stop praying for that's such a good point that lost person when they haven't accepted christ yet why do people stop because there's no leading but i think as christians that's the call too to continue to pray and not give up yeah mm. i think for the people we love the most especially like it's so easy to to just give up because I don't know why we give up so easily. I don't think it's, it's much different from what Stu said. We'd rather avoid it. Mm, yeah. Right? Yeah, it's, it's mm. do you want to get into that conversation that, you know, is like that you hope ends with them accepting Christ, but you know is more likely to end up with yes. you're just feeding me this and you're just pressuring me and you're just bugging me and now it's going to be awkward the next time i see you because i know you were in for this conversation again and you want to you kind of want to avoid that even though your heart is breaking for them to know christ but you know also i think i love what dr sammy said is that he says god's already working like he posted up two pictures one of sully one of joey and god was already working in joey's life in ithaca yeah. And God was already working in Sally's life before she committed her life to Christ in yeah. New York. God was already working. So it's not always as it appears. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is the subplot of wanting to be accepted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like cool really means you just want to be accepted. Mm. Yeah. That's the subplot that lines through our whole life. That keeps us from... So we, that's what we're talking about to lay it down. Mm. But what's that Senge um, quote? In the, in the presence of greatness, pettiness disappears. 
In the absence of a great dream, pettiness prevails. Yeah, and the presence of greatness is love. Mm. Like, Kegel's story, it's not finished, but it is the exact, ex it's like the best example of that quote. Mm. Like, he basically did not see the pettiness anymore. Like, what is she going to say? What is she going to think? Like, that's, at the end of it, compared to sharing the gospel, like, that's petty. He bit the bullet, he heard the message, and he acted on it. Mm. And so, I don't see that as failure because she heard the gospel. Yeah. But see, that's the thing. If people don't hear the gospel, they don't know what to make a choice about. And that's why sometimes, I guess it's kind of like making cold calls. Like, you don't know what's going to happen, mm -hmm. but you have to make the call. Yep. Right. And, and so, Keigo did. So everything else, like afterwards, were you thinking like, oh man, you were hung up on the thought that she said no. You're, are you really thinking like, oh, she's going to think this of me, she's going to think this of me? No. The greatness was the love. And it's like that statement, like what he said. I know that if she was in my place, she would have done the same because she loves me. Mm. Right? I mean, why did I go crazy? trying to lead my grandpa to Christ because I loved him. I couldn't help myself because I loved him. Right? So, I think that's the thing. I think the church loses its mission and does not do the call. And we do all sorts of other things. Mm. But the reason why we exist is to do the mission of Christ. We'd rather do everything else, and that's why we talk about jobs, and we talk, we switch here and there, but ultimately, it's because we're not doing the call of God. I had a friend, um, she was really smart. I totally get the whole thing about smart, because it was this one girl that I grew up with, and she was very smart. Everyone was getting 70s in math and science, and she was always like, hundreds. I'm like, how did she do that? Mm. <laughs> you know, she was like that, right? But she became a doctor. And I remember she used to say, um, my calling is to be a doctor, but when I'm in my 60s, I'm going to do mission. <sighs> and I thought, oh, huh, what? <laughs> but then that was kind of like the saying everyone had, like, I'm going to be a doctor. And then there were other doctors that um, came, in, came into like a circle and they would say the same thing. I'm going to be a doctor and in my 50s, I'm going to do mission. And so, and that was normal. And people would be like, wow, you became a doctor and you want to do mission one day? That is amazing. <laughs> and you would get a pat on the back. Mm. But that's not the call. Like, even if you don't go to Africa or to Mexico or to China, the call is to, as a student in pre-med, as a resident, as a chief, as uh, the whole process, you have to live the call. Mm. Not when I become a doctor and I'm famous and I've done everything and then how am I going to uh, spend my last years, you know? I'm going to live it, I'm going to give it away. That's, you know, but that's the expectation that was so low that people thought, wow, this person is so honorable right. mm. but I don't think that's how God sees it God calls us to the mission every day whether we become great doctors or not yeah. mm. so I think that's really what we're dealing with pettiness 
cannot become our life mission. I can't. I can't live for pettiness. Can you guys? I don't know. I cannot. Mm. Cannot, right, Stu? Yeah. It's a vicious cycle. Yeah, it's a vicious cycle. Never ends. It's like picking up litter in a public park. Mm. Never ends. I'd rather um, plant a tree. Mm. So, yeah, you know, as a church, let's really reflect on that and make some make some steps. Lay down our subplot. Make the choice. Yes or no. Anything in between is demonic. Let's make a decision to live for the call of God. And if, you, and if you're struggling to do that, like, come to terms with it. Let's, if that's where you are and it's, it's a struggle for you, um, learning what the call is versus occupation, all sorts of stuff, um, let's come to terms with it together. Because Dr. Jamie said, there's spiritual plateau that hits. And I think many of you um, hearing the message felt like, yeah, I haven't been growing. I didn't know it was that. Is it that? And it could become want, want, want. Like, eh, maybe it doesn't apply to me. But there is a grand um, narrative that the Lord has, and that is the call. Let's join it, like all of us. Let's join the call of God together. Let's do this together. Let's do it. Let's pray together. Let's let's do it. Let's talk about it. Let's come up with plans together. Let's make this the call of our life. And I bet you jobs will become a lot more pleasant if you're thinking about this. <laughs> if you have a transcending purpose of loving people with the gospel, kills time. <laughs> you're not lonely because you're thinking about others mm. you know and that's where joy comes because you're living the call mm-hmm. <laughs> are you daydreaming about that? Uh, I'm just wondering how to kill time for eternity <laughs> yeah let's kill time for eternity uh-huh. thinking, about, thinking about the gospel and how we're going to lead people to Christ mm. Mm. amen mm. yeah so whatever your subplot may be and maybe it's success, maybe it's acceptance, maybe it's to be rich, to to have influence, whatever it may be. I pray that the Lord will show you. I pray that um, conversation around community and hearing the podcast will help you identify so that you can lay it down and um, say yes to the call. And I want to refer you back to the ministry time. In it, he even talks about... Um, even if you're not successful you're called you have a calling even if we're not called to be successful but whatever your lot is our call our immutable call is to share the gospel to the ends of the earth so have a great reflective week of making great decisions and changing directions for christ bye-bye bye bye everybody bye The underground Chinese leaders, China, particularly right now, the Communist Party is cracking down on house churches. They're telling everyone through national television to replace a cross or a picture of Jesus with the new president or the current president. Well, he's going to be president forever now. So, And 
Right now, current missiological trends show that there are more missionaries, more Christians in China, the underground church. Almost 100 plus million under persecution than America that are born-again Christians. And they asked Luzon leaders, who are the best, best leaders in America? Why aren't you sending missionaries? How come your mega churches, which are mega dollars, not sending missionaries? What are the missional churches? You call it missional. How come they're not going anywhere? How come they just wear hip jackets and ripped jeans? What can be learned from such shallow faith? I remember reading that report and going, oh my gosh, so true. We don't preach calling anymore. We individualize and commercialize, just like Google does, just like Facebook does, to get people in, to customize people's lives, and God wants your life customized. How could the gospel customize your life? Today, I pray you would hear Jesus' calling, I Jesus calling you to join him in this mission until he returns. And I pray that you answer that calling. Because really it's just a yes or a no. There's nothing in between. I just want to tell you this. I want to tell you straight out. No, no infomercial. The straight truth. Some of you won't be successful. Even if you follow God. Some of you might be, become wealthy. Some of you won't. You're like, no, I'm, not, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. Some of you won't be. Some of you will fail in the things you endeavor to. If success or fame come, amen. For the glory of God. But this fire that started 2,000 years ago, it's the only thing you need to be concerned about because it's the only calling we have. So you lift your hands to the Lord today and say, God, let fame and, and success come if that's your will, if that's my lot. But I want this fire to burn in me and never die out until the Lord returns. I want this fire of the calling to representing him to the world, to be blessed, to be a blessing. Whether I am how, to my expectations or to my customization or not, I want to answer this call to represent you. The problem with our generation is that People confuse calling with occupation and ability with calling. You're not a doctor or engineer or whatever else, healthcare worker, because that's your calling. You're a doctor because you're smart. You're an engineer because you're a nerd. That's all it means. Biblically, you want to clarify it? You're in banking because you have the ability to do math. Great. Congratulations. That's what the GREs do. That's what GMAT do. That's what those schools look at. Can he do math? Can he read? Okay. We can teach him something. Smart necessarily does not equate to calling. That's why in the kingdom of God, a janitor can be greater in the kingdom than a doctor because his calling is to represent Christ to his sphere of influence to his family 
to his friends, to this world. You see, the world creates a graduation, rankings to what is great. The kingdom, Jesus himself says, he'll take the weak and shame the strong. So the problem in our generation is that you probably can do anything. So then why not give your talent and give your mind to the greatest cause, the greatest dream known to humanity? The calling of taking the gospel to the whole world. Help us. Join in. Restore the beauty in all things. If our website sucks, make it better. Someone came to me and said, a friend developer, we got to fix this website. Go, go for it. Your design sucks. Go make it better. Because the pastor's job, biblically, is not to do ministry. It's to equip you to do the ministry. I dream that all of you would become great in God's kingdom and a great dream in this city would be accomplished. I spray our heads for the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to that podcast. If you're listening to this right now, we want to invite you to our Day in the Sun potluck that's coming up this June 30th at the Great Hill. That's up on 106th on the west side. So that's the upper west side um, at noon. And so come join us for a time of great feasting. Everybody here at 180 loves to cook, enjoy and really good food. And uh, come to hear the message in beautiful Central Park together with us. And if you have any questions, you can always hit us up at 180 Church Podcast at gmail.com if you have any questions about faith the journey of life or anything like that ask pastor lydia ask the crew and maybe we could help you out thanks again we'll see you next week everyone we just have some community news for you as we end our podcast today we want to invite you to join us for our sunday service we meet at the amc lowe's theater at 19th and broadway in manhattan at 12 noon and we'd love to see you guys there we also have a prayer text hotline where you can send your prayer requests. It's available at 5397-PRAYER and at prayer at 180church.tv. In the midst of life, if you need prayer, our team is available to lift you up in your struggles, and we're always there for you. You can check out our Bible reading group online at 180brg.tumblr.com and on Instagram as well at 180brg. And it's a great resource for being grounded in God's Word and really plugging God's Word into our daily lives. You can also find us online through our Instagram page at 180church and our church website at 180church.tv. And lastly, if you'd like to make an offering, you can do so electronically at our website at 180church.tv.